we've tried to really come up with different ways for employees as a whole to engage um, and have them understand what's going on at a giving level and not just know that that's being taken care of, but that they could actually play an active role and part in that. In 2016, I co-founded a drinkware company called Simple Modern. I was obsessed with the question, what would happen if we built a for-profit company focused on generosity? This podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at how we scaled from a bootstrapped startup to nine figures in annual revenue. We'll share with you the strategies we used, things learned along the way, and how we built a different type of company. This is Scaling for Good. Welcome back to Scaling for Good. I'm Mike Beckham, your host. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Simple Modern. In the summer of 2015, I went on a date night with my wife that would change the rest of my life. During that dinner, I told her that I'd been approached by two other friends who wanted to start a company. And I thought, after years of dreaming about it, that I was ready to take the jump and I wanted to know what she thought. Uh, And to my surprise and excitement, she was on board and excited as well. And as we began to dream about what the company could look like, we started to talk about who would be the people that if we could build a company out of anyone, who would it be? And we started to make a list of names, the the highest character, uh, most gifted people that we had met during our time together as a married couple. That list of 15 names became very significant in the company's history because as we began to grow, I one by one went down that list and recruited those people to join the company. And many of them did join the company and are still a part of the company today. There's a lot of content out there about how do you grow a company, uh, but there's surprisingly little about how do you strive to be excellent in the other areas of life that matter, in your relationships and work-life balance? How do you pursue business with excellence while still trying to be excellent in all of the other ways that matter? That's what this episode is about. And I'm happy to be joined by my wife, Heather Beckham. So Heather, how did you feel when I first shared with you that I wanted to start a company? Well, I think I felt really excited because I knew it had been a dream on your heart for quite a long time. And I knew that you were completely capable and ready. And it it just felt like a very exciting moment that it was finally time to pull the trigger and time to kind of envision and move forward to what that could actually look like. And so getting to make that list with you, I just felt really involved and included. And I really think that was the basis of how I continue to feel today, that that meeting had a lot of impact in my involvement in the company from the very start. And so it, it was a very pivotal moment, I think, not only in our in our marriage and, and where we ended up coming today as a cu- couple, but then in the future of the company, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, all the things you talk about with, you know, in marriage that you look forward to. And then there's these moments when it's like, oh, this is, this is really happening. Like it's, it's game time. Um, And so I'm, I'm the same way. I look back on that moment with uh, really, it's just such a happy memory. And, and I think honestly, like you being so supportive and excited about it instead of immediately seeing, oh, here are all the risks or here are all the reasons why that could be scary. Instead being supportive and excited about it uh, gave me a lot of confidence to, to move forward um, that I knew that I had your support. So uh, for everybody listening, uh, can you share a little bit of your story leading up to uh, Simple Modern and when we founded the company? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from the University of Oklahoma in 2004 with a bachelor's and master's degrees in accounting. 
and spent a little bit of time in the oil and gas industry as a tax accountant, but quickly found my calling was actually the same as yours um, to the nonprofit ministry world. And so Mike and I spent a series of years, uh, for me, it ended up being seven. For him, it was 10 in the nonprofit ministry world. And that really cemented a lot of our interactions um, as a marriage and our, our vision and purpose as a couple, I think, going forward, uh, which plays into what Simple Modern is today. But then in 2011, I had my first child. Um, and so I transitioned to being a full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, that had always been a dream of mine to be able to do that. And I'm really fortunate that that was a possibility in our family. And so that's really been the role that I've played. Um, that's my primary title. Uh, but when Simple Modern started from that infamous um, meeting uh, where we made the list, um, I've, I've wanted to be involved at some level. And so as the opportunity has, uh, has arisen, I have been able to help contribute to different um, parts of the company, most notably the charitable aspect in giving. So that's that's where I've really found my involvement in the company is to help direct how we give the funds um, that we've dedicated to our nonprofit partners. Okay, so you you mentioned that you picked up two degrees at OU. You picked up something else. You got a husband out I of the deal. Got a husband deal. in there too. Yeah, um, that wasn't the plan, but it happened. That's right. I I persu- <laughs> I'm very persuasive yeah, when, you I, are. when I want to be. I will say be. that you are very persuasive. And so one of the the jokes I tell people is that it took me five years to get one degree, and Heather got two in five years, so she lapped me. <laughs> uh, but I was able to persuade her to marry me, so uh, I, I guess I'm the real winner in this deal. Um, and then I, I think another thing that you mentioned that's worth noting is how formative our 20s were as a couple. We yeah. both spent most of that time working in the nonprofit ministry world, and it really established a lot of kind of the dream for our life, the way that we thought about financial resources, like we had to actually raise our salary uh, when we were in the, the nonprofit world, which is not easy. Um, and there's, there's, uh, it's obviously not a super lucrative, you know, you don't go into nonprofit ministry because, uh, you're really concerned about maximizing your income. Uh, and yet I look back on those years really fondly, like just some of my favorite years when we were, we were together doing that together. And so, um, years of being able to work side by side, um, before, before kids. So uh, we've obviously experienced a lot of growth over the last several years with the company. Um, What's been the most exciting part of the growth from your perspective? So from my perspective, the most exciting part of the growth has been that the more growth that there has been, there's more lives that are impacted. Everything about Simple Modern goes back to the mission of the company, which is we exist to give generously. When you walk into the doors of Simple Modern, it's on the wall. We exist to give generously. And everything comes back to this mission and vision. And so the more growth we have, the more that we get to give and to be generous. And this goes for all areas of the business, Um, goes for our employees, our customers, and our nonprofit partners. And so I think what I get really excited about as the business grows is that's, that's more people that get to be influenced and that we get to influence and that get to have their lives changed ultimately. Um, might be in a small way or like with a lot of our nonprofit partners, the people that they serve, it's in very large ways. And so it's exciting when growth equals something very valuable and significant um, in terms of changed lives of people, not just uh, monetary um, things, but actual impact in lives. Yeah, I, th- I think that's something that both you and I took away from being in the, the ministry world, the nonprofit world is what, what really motivated us was when we heard 
examples of people's lives being transformed or changed, you know, their perspectives changing. And it became important, uh, I know to me and to you that I was able to draw a straight line between the work that I did each day and it actually making some kind of an impact tangibly in the lives of other people. So I would, I would definitely share that perspective. And I think that's one of the distinctives of the company is that we didn't just set out to build a company that was profitable or that could support our family or even a company where we could do some giving, but we were trying to be from the start intentional about how do you build something where it's really clear how you're positively, redemptively impacting the lives of people that rub up against that thing, you know, whether that's... Um, the people that we work with or customers or, or nonprofits or anything else. I, I would agree. That's, that's been super motivating. And I love that in starting the company, you guys didn't even know you and the co-founders, what you were going to sell. You just knew yeah. the mission and the vision and that that was going to carry you guys through whatever you ended up selling or whatever kind of business it ended up being. You didn't Absolutely. even know at the beginning what that was. Well, and I disappoint people all the time because they ask me about the founding story and they want to have some, you know, like Isaac Newton, I'm under a tree and an apple falls and <laughs> hits me and I have this amazing vision. And, you know, they'll say, how did you know Drinkware? Or, you know, how'd you come up with the name Simple Modern? What a great name. And I'm like, man, the real stories are so much lamer than you would imagine. <laughs> like um, the story of how we came to the name Simple Modern, which I love now as our brand uh, is that we were trying to register to sell on Amazon and our first choice of name, um, which had been available, had been taken overnight. And I'm so thankful that, by the way, that first name that we were going to use had been taken because it would be a terrible name <laughs> for a brand. Um, but then we had to scramble. Like we really literally didn't know what to do. And we just had to find a name that nobody was using. And Simple Modern was the first thing that we found that we could we could all stomach. Um, and, and really the first year of the company, we were kind of like, should we change it? Because we didn't really arrive at that name because we loved it. We just, we needed something. Um, and over, over the years, it's, it's turned into something that means a lot to a lot of people. Uh, but I, I don't have a great story about where it came from. And like you said, we, we didn't have product all figured out. We didn't know that we wanted to do drinkware and, and eventually everything that it would become. But we, we did know we wanted to build a different type of company. And I think that that was one of the influences that you've really had on me through the process is you've really helped. I feel like what you've emphasized to me is to, to keep the, the most important things, the most important things. Hmm. And that what the company is about is more important than how much it sells. And it's more important than what it sells. And you helping keep that in front of me has helped me keep that in front of the company. And so, like you said, you know, early on, we knew the type of culture we wanted to have. We knew we wanted generosity to be a core piece. Um, and so in a lot of ways, Simple Modern is a lot more a company about uh, an idea and, and a type of a way that you can run a business than it is about what we sell. So we're really more of an idea company that happens to sell drinkware to help, you know, uh, pay the bills and, and keep the lights on. Faith has been a huge part of you and I's life. Obviously, we, we spent years working in nonprofit, full-time ministry together. How has faith played a role in how we've built the company? I think it's played a tremendous role. It's really the basis for us as a marriage for everything that we do. Um, and that definitely flows down into how you lead the company and how I encourage you as your cheerleader to lead the company. I mean, because of God's generosity with us, 
that's why we want to be generous with other people. And in the Bible, it talks about God's ultimate generosity is expressed in him making a way for us to be with him forever. And so because of God's ultimate generosity, we want that reflected in our lives as well and to be as generous as we can with other people. And so because of that basis of faith, that's that's the reason that we can be generous with others. And so I think in how it's played out in terms of Simple Modern, it's been very much a a stair-step process of steps of faith to see if this was the path and the direction we were supposed to go. I mean, when you start a business, everything is very small in terms of taking those little steps of faith and Mm -hmm. seeing if that's how how things are supposed to play out. So I think um, even though growth to me is not necessarily a synonym for for success, I think the growth of the company has confirmed um, in those little steps of faith that we were on the path that God had called us to and confirmed the calling that he had on our lives to to start a company that gave generously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, faith, uh, another way of describing faith is just trust. And you can't be in entrepreneurship if you don't have a large degree of faith uh, and belief that it's going to work out. You know, like uh, I've, I've said before, and maybe some of it's naivete also, like if you, <laughs> if you understood all the challenges and, and the odds that are stacked against you and you focused on it, you'd never start anything. And I think you're right. I think us having a core part of our identity being um, trust and faith has helped us to step out and do things that at times have been, haven't made sense on paper and have been radical um, I think there have been several points in the company's history. One of them that, that jumps out to me, and we're going to talk more about this, is very early on we made the decision that we wanted to give away 10% of our profits every year. And we were a bootstrapped company, which meant we were way undercapitalized for our growth because you have to buy inventory to grow. And so uh, just between taxes and everything else, like there's no money. There's, like, there's no money to give if you want to grow the company. And yet we made that commitment. I think it was kind of like the intersection of generosity and faith of if we make a commitment to actually give, then good things are going to come from this, even though it doesn't make sense on paper. And you would never advise somebody who's bootstrapped and running a consumer uh, company that that has to buy inventory to do this, we're, we're going to do this. And I think establishing that muscle early on, even when it was hard, even when it didn't make sense, has been pretty transformational and foundational with the company and our perspective. I mean, these days our giving budget's quite a bit bigger and it's a lot easier. There's there's kind of margin to be able to make things like our giving work. Uh, but in the early days, it, it didn't make sense. It wasn't logical, but it, it made sense from the perspective of the type of thing we wanted to be a part of building and and what we want to be about. And, and I loved what you said also that... Um, generosity starts with receiving actually instead of giving that we have to kind of be shown the way to really develop generosity we have to see generosity expressed and then kind of we're mimetic we we imitate the things that we admire and so uh, for for you and I seeing the way that God has been generous with us has motivated us towards generosity um, I think it's made a huge impact in the way that we've we've at least tried to approach building a different type of company so you were married to an entrepreneur, which Definitely. is the most stable, boring, ordinary <clears throat> lifestyle you can pick, <clears throat> obviously. Um, but I've been told that there are some challenges that come with being married to an entrepreneur. So what are some of the challenges that come with being married to an entrepreneur? 
Well, I don't know what it's like to be married to all entrepreneurs. I know what it's like to be married to you as an entrepreneur. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to comment specifically on that. But I'm, I'm guessing that some of these qualities maybe apply to other entrepreneurs since you're kind of a representative of the group. You can be obsessive, let's, let's say. Yes. You can focus very heavily on Guilty. what you're interested in. And uh, when, you're, when you're starting a business and everything is on you, um, your mind is... I can imagine, I haven't experienced it the same way, but is always on the business and always thinking about the next thing you need to do to, to make it successful or to, 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 to put that next step in. And so I, I saw points where that was all that was on your mind was, was the business, especially in the beginning. And so I think um, one of my roles was to help take you out of that mindset sometimes and say, hey, we, we need to get away from this for a little bit so that way you can have some downtime and be able to really take care of yourself so that you can actually lead the business well. But I think I think probably most entrepreneurs experience that kind of mentality where that it's just all they're thinking all about because it's all on you to, yeah. to get this started. And so I think a challenge can be really taking the time to think outside of that. Like, like we're talking about, the purpose of this podcast series is to talk about um, the work-life balance and the things that really matter ultimately in the end. And so I think a challenge as an entrepreneur can be just making sure that those things are still taking priority in the midst of probably the busiest season of life, trying to get a company off the ground. So that's what I really tried to do for you was help get your mind off of it during those really busy times and help, help make sure you take care of yourself. And Yeah. It's fascinating that uh, for for all of us, whatever our biggest strengths are, are also highly correlated to our biggest weaknesses. So that that same obsessiveness that can help me to problem solve and and kind of doggedly go after something until I figure it out is is can be really destructive in certain contexts, right? Where I I can't transition. Uh, a friend of mine once said that you know separating uh, for an entrepreneur, separating you know their work life from their personal life is a little bit like trying to nail Jello to the wall. And I've always that analogy always stuck in my head because it really is. It's so difficult to try and separate things out. There's no, okay, I'm punching my, my card and, and now I'm done for the day and I don't have to think about work. It, it can be really all encompassing. And I, I think one of the best things you did for me, I, I remember dinners where, you know, after 45 minutes of me, I'm sure vomiting, you know, word vomiting about Simple Modern, you're like, I'm very excited. <laughs> Let's talk about something else, you know? And that's what I needed actually, is I needed that that voice of saying like, hey, your mind wants to obsessively just turn this one thing over and over and over again, but that's actually not gonna be the most helpful thing for you. You need breaks, you need to cycle down. Um, and I know this isn't the most uh, important thing to you and the only thing that's important to you. And so for me, that's been... I think a huge way that you have helped balance me out, like one of the things that's interesting about our marriage is that if you, any any personality profile test that you throw at us, <laughs> we basically come out as exact opposites, like, like Myers-Briggs. And it's not even like we're kind of like opposite letters in Myers-Briggs. It's like, we're the exact opposites. Strong opposites. Strong opposites. <laughs> like she's like a hundred percent sensing and I'm a hundred percent intuitive. Um, and... So obviously there's some challenges with that. There's some times where we just miss each other altogether. But one of the things that I've seen that's been uh, just so encouraging is how our differences allow us to complement each other mm -hmm. so well. And I think uh, I, I have some aspects of my personality that are, that are really strong dispositions a, a particular way and that you have helped balance that out. Uh, another example that, I think jumps out to me is 
it's very easy for entrepreneurs, especially in the early days where there's high stress and, and like you said, like high obsessiveness to be exceptionally low on the empathy scale to just like empathy is almost like, um, you know, not on their radar at all. Uh, and yet you as a feeler and uh, as, as my partner, I think you helped me to continue to keep empathy kind of in my tool belt and as something that I, that, that I was thinking about and engaging on a heart level and not just like an intellectual level, which ultimately made me a better, a better leader. Um, so I, I, I think, I think you're right though. I'm guilty on the obsessive thing. That's, that's probably <laughs> always going to be the case, you know, and now we have kids and I see some of those obsessive tendencies and I'm like, okay, that definitely comes from me. Um, Put aside money for therapy later, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so how would you describe uh, one of the, the big buzzwords now is work-life balance and, um, uh, you know, different people will use that in different ways, mean different things. But for us, we've certainly tried to live our life where uh, I have a job and I lead the company and I want to do that with excellence, but that's not the only thing. And that's not even the most important thing about me. So how would you unpack how we've strived to have, uh, you know, quote unquote, work-life balance in our life? I will say that I think that buzzword work-life balance, I think balance is a little bit of a myth. I don't really think that true balance exists in life. I think that you are always falling off on one side or the other. And so, and I think that's been very true of us. And so I think what we've often done is just course correct, realize when we're falling off one side or the other and make sure that we go back the other way. Cause it's just not real life that there's not going to be periods where work is busier or where family life is busier. And so I don't think achieving that perfect balance is actually feasible. Um, I think it's just about being cognizant in the moment and in a season of what is happening and then being able to course correct, whether it's a day after a week after or after a season of, of either, you know, going really hard after work or maybe you've taken a lot of vacation and you need to buckle down at work, but just kind of realizing when that happens, uh, where you need to kind of put in the time. I think one of the things that you've helped with in terms of work-life balance is and that we've kind of adopted over time is to not put off the vacation or the staycation. Mm. I think work is always going to be there, right? Yeah. Work is always, especially as an entrepreneur, it's always going to be there. That's there's always going to be problems to solve. Always going to be more. Yeah. That's something I've seen from you is that there's always something you could be doing. Even if yeah. there's not anything urgent or task wise, you could come up with something that could be done mm -hmm. to make the company better. And so I think with work kind of always being there, you have to be a little more proactive on maybe the life side in the work life quote unquote balance to make sure you take those vacations or staycations or, or prioritize that family time. So I think putting that stuff off is really easy to do. And we've done a lot of staycations just where we go away for a night in Oklahoma City. And that, I mean, it really, really helps to just get out of the context of your normal everyday life. Um, and have a different scenery and a different change of pace. So that's that's one way that I think really in in that in that you know kind of course correcting is to make sure you don't put off the the time away, the the vacation, the staycation, because it's really easy to do as an entrepreneur to say, well, things are much more urgent right now. We're busy. We have to get to this point. Um, but it's really important to take those breaks. Yeah, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, entrepreneurship is attractive to me because I'd love to be my own boss. And I think what they envision is there's a lot of freedom and flexibility. I get to set my schedule. I get to decide what I do. And that sounds really attractive. But uh, the reality is for most of us, 
what we end up doing is gravitating towards being workaholics, that we don't actually set any kind of boundaries. Like, yeah, you might technically be your own boss, but you work yourself harder than any other person would. And that you you have to develop the own internal discipline to run a healthy schedule and the, to use the flexibility that you have um, in, in a positive way. And I think you're right. I think, again, this is a way where I'm not probably that unique. I've got this obsessive personality. And so, uh, you know, like one of the things we've joked about is that I can get in a spreadsheet, for example, and be working away and and then be like, you know, I haven't looked at the time in a while and look up and it's 2.30 in the morning and not even notice it, you know, and like, that's not normal, right? Like, that's not <laughs> a good thing, right? You've been really helpful in helping me learn to lead myself and manage myself and the freedom that comes with uh, being an entrepreneur. And I, I really like what you said, like this idea of that all, all I've got to do is find exactly the right balance. And then I just go in steady state and that balance forever. Like that's just not how life works at all. Even if you could find that balance that works until somebody gets sick or until something unexpected happens at work or the house floods, you know, because of a broken pipe or whatever. And you're never able to maintain that. And so the model that I've come to like is more of like a high intensity interval training that the reality is I have things that matter deeply to me in my life, you know, uh, our family, um, my, my close friendships, uh, my, my faith, the, the company, um, are giving. And the reality is I can't focus with maximum intensity on all those things simultaneously. It's just not possible for me. Um, and there's periods where I need to focus on different areas. Um, and that, that, you know, I, I've got to lay down and deprioritize things that are very important to me for a season. What I think you've really helped me to do is, uh, and you mentioned this, is understand when I'm really over-indexing hard on something and just make me aware, like, hey, you've been going really hard at work or like, hey, you've been doing a great job of being there for me and the kids, but I know you got a lot on your plate at work and we understand if you need to like, you know, like if you can't be here for bedtime tonight and you need to go work on that presentation that you're gonna give. And that's been helpful in, in a lot of ways, I think what you've brought is self-awareness. You're almost like a mirror for me because I can, I can sometimes just not be very good at, at keeping track of how I'm allocating my time and, and how I'm balancing those things. And you being able to come at it from a different point of view with a different, you know, a different personality and be able to say, hey, here's what I see has been really insightful for me and, and really helpful. I've leaned on you for support a lot over the last several years. How would you describe how you've provided support to me as I've been trying to grow a business and, and balance all of the different um, things that come with this stage of life? Well, I think at a high level, the, the biggest thing always is being your number one fan and your biggest cheerleader, no matter what comes uh, in life or with the company. So even when there's hardship or confusion or failure, I think being there and knowing that I'm I'm not going anywhere and that I'll be your biggest support and your biggest fan no matter what is in my mind the biggest way that I can encourage and support you. I think also just being engaged in your world. I think in our marriage we talked about earlier um, that really early on in our 20s we kind of had a precedent of 
being really involved in each other's work and mm-hmm. knowing everything that was going on and doing a lot of that together. And so I think that precedent being set has helped me learn how to engage as you've moved on in different career journey and paths. Um, I, I've learned how to really stay engaged um, with your work and learned how to ask questions to, to bring out understanding what you do at work. And so I, I think that can look a lot of ways for people, even, even if it's just listening um, to stories about work. But I think a large part of support is, is understanding the, the spouse's world and what their work world looks like, mm-hmm. um, because that's where they're spending the majority of their time. And it's really easy to gloss over that part in life when you've got family commitments and different things that have to be done in the evening or on the weekends. You know, you could kind of get into that pattern of how is work today, honey? Oh, fine. Okay, good. And, and you don't really go deeper on that. But I think it's a really key part to being a support system to you just to understand what's going on in your world and the challenges that you're facing and, and the things that are hard for you and the things that are encouraging to you. So I, I really try to listen first and foremost, but then also be engaged in that as much as I can until you start talking about Amazon too much. And then I have yeah, to Yeah, and then you're done. You know, well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I do think one of the dynamics, I'm an external processor and you're a great listener. And so I, I can't even count how many times just you being willing to ask questions and listen to me and giving me a venue to externally process has led to the unlocks. I wish I wish a lot of times that I could do more by internally processing, that I could work through things. Uh, but I think you and I both know that that's not, I, I'm, I'm a little bit deficient in that area, we'll, we'll say. But you've definitely helped me to unlock some things and to, to kind of process through some challenging situations just by being willing to listen and ask good questions. Um, and again, it's one of those kind of compliment things, like you're an internal processor and I'm an external processor. And sometimes it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. But then there's other situations where I'm like, man, I am so thankful for that. I'm so thankful mm-hmm. that I have somebody that can help draw me out that way uh, because that's what I really need. Another thing that I think has been helpful and this is similar maybe to the the thing we were talking about with the obsessiveness and time, is that it's really helpful to have someone who has a bias towards support, but is willing to say hard things to you. And especially as a CEO, you get less candid feedback from people because you know people's jobs depend on your decisions and people want you to like them generally and want you to be pleased with them. And there've been times where, I needed you to challenge some thought processes that I had um, because they were selfish or because they were misguided or I wasn't putting myself in the shoes of somebody else. And I think you've done a good job of, I've always known that you were for me, but that doesn't mean that you weren't willing to push back. You know, you've always been willing to challenge my perspective when I needed that. And I think that that's made me a better leader. This is all the stuff that happens, you know, behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that other people don't see. And, you know, I I already mentioned it, but the, uh, you know, the, the way that you've helped me to make sure that I'm, I'm a, a leader that's leading with empathy. That is, empathy is like a foreign language, you know, to my personality type. Um, we're about, you know, being out there and pioneering and what's in the future. And, and you've helped really center me on the emotions and experiences of the people that I'm leading every day. Uh, and all these things have been really helpful. So this, that kind of, I, I think, 
dovetails nicely into the next question that I have for you, which is um, you've provided a lot of support, but I've also needed challenge. I guess I just mentioned a couple of the ways that I feel like you have challenged me. How do you feel like you've helped provide appropriate challenge for me uh, over the last few years? Well, I think having that, like we have mentioned before, the basis of our mission and vision being the same Mm. and me being on board with that from the start of the company, it's been easy when there are things that don't align with that to to call you out or to to challenge that those perspectives um like hey we started the company to give generously like you know why aren't we doing more in this area um so so really having that foundation of that mission and vision has has really allowed a, a room or a voice to be able to speak into when things things might be seeming to go off track and to challenge you in in those ways and then i think also just keeping you grounded in core relationships like you said mm-hmm. you can um, be more of a go-getter and a pioneer. And I think a lot of times I, I help just bring you back down to earth, reminding you of, of the very important key relationships in life and how that, that matters above all. To make this more specific, can you give an example of what that looks like in our marriage where you challenge me, especially around uh, mission and vision and some of these things? Yeah. So with the, the mission of the company being to give generously, I, I feel like I've always just thought about how can we give as much as we can. Like what, what is the maximum we can do? How can we be super countercultural as a company? Because even, even the 10% that we're committed to giving, I feel like that's kind of, at least in my mind, could be a token, right? Like there's a lot of companies that could give that amount, but what would it take for us to give even more? Like, Mm -hmm. so I know I've asked you before, like, why can't we give maybe, what what would it take for us to give 50% someday? Or, you know, how can we move this from 10 to 20%? But I I think challenging you on, on that basis of the mission and vision and values and how do we, how do we keep pushing that bar higher, um, even from what it's at, um, to be radical in, in our mission and, and to be countercultural in how we operate as a company too. This is one of the things I love about our relationship. In many ways, you're the conservative one. I'm the person who's like risk, you know, tolerance is broken and, you know, I'm willing to do crazy things. Uh, and yet in this particular area, I, I feel like this was a big part of us wanting to even marry each other is that we were so excited about the idea of generosity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nobody pushes me to be more radical in that area than you do, which is extremely exciting, you know, and it makes me really feel like we're in it together. Um, and that there's one area where I'm not the, the, the biggest thinker and I'm not the most radical thinker <laughs> when it comes to generosity, you're an even uh, more radical thinker than I am. And I, I love that. I love the way that you push me there. So uh, how do we, how have we gone about protecting and prioritizing our marriage and our relationship throughout uh, growing the company and all the demands that have come with that? I think every relationship obviously is different. So this, you know, there's not going to be a guidebook for what works well for each couple. But one of the things that I've loved that you've done to protect and prioritize our relationship is during the workday, you always take my calls Mm. um, unless you just absolutely can't. Like, obviously, if you're in a speaking situation, speaking to a group of people, you can't take my calls. But even when you're in executive meetings and you're having discussions, if I call, you will tell them, hey, I got to step out. My wife's calling. And that just really shows me the value that I have, not just at the end of the day, but during the workday, that that whatever's going on in my life matters to you and that you can take a couple minutes to figure out what that is and whether it's to encourage me or give guidance. Um, it's It's been one of the ways that you've really shown me that my world and our relationship is important, not just at home, but even while you're at work. Um, and 
And so that's, that's meant a lot to me. Um, but I, I mean, I think also the traditional, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about date nights and we've never been, uh, like a super structured, like we have to have it once a week and it's always on Friday and nothing messes with that. But we do make date nights a priority, especially when maybe it's been a while if, if we haven't had, um, individual time to talk one-on-one, um, we will make that a priority. And I do think that that's key too. You've got to have that time, just the two of you outside of the kids, those, those people that have families know that's the hardest part is to find that time outside of the kids when they're not running around in the background, but to have that time individually to just sit and talk, um, I think is the biggest way to protect and prioritize because you've got to, got to get on the same page. You've got to process life together. Um, so those date nights have ended up being really key for us. Yeah. One of the things that I feel like I learned the hard way after we had worked together for years and then I started working in the business world was, you know, I'm so driven and I want to be excellent. I want to, I want to do the most that I possibly can. And I realized after about a year in the business world that I was giving a hundred, you know, a hundred percent of my capacity during the workday. And what was happening is by the time I got home, I did not have much left. You know, you were getting a little bit of a shell of Mike because I had spent pretty much everything I had to give, all the emotional capacity, all of the words um, during the during the workday. And so for me, one of the things that I learned is it is not good to give 100% at my job. You know, if my job was the only thing I did and it was the only thing that was important to me, then yes, I should give 100% of my capacity towards it. But that's not the person I want to be and that's not the life I want to live. And so I've learned that I have to have the discipline of pacing myself a little bit during the day. I still want to go hard. I still want to be excellent, but I don't want to give 100% of what I have during the day because I do want to have for you and for our children, I want to be there. I want to be present and I want to have capacity when I get home. So that's that's one of the ways that I've learned I have to kind of protect myself if I'm going to be able to be the person that that I want to be. Um, the startup experience is a massive roller coaster of emotions. It's been said that, you know, one day you're like, we're going to be rich. We're going to the moon. And the next day it's like you're preparing for your bankruptcy. Um <laughs> And there's a, there's a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you've definitely experienced the ups and downs, at least vicariously through me. So how have you managed all the ups and downs that have come with, you know, being, being a part of a startup? So you mentioned this earlier, but again, we're, we're complete opposites. And one of the ways that we uh, are complete opposites is in risk taking <laughs> and how that expresses itself. So you want to take all the risks all the time and I'm very risk averse. And so right. there have been a lot of times that there have been a lot of emotions <laughs> when you come home and tell me what your next big plan or big thought is uh, where you want to take the company. And so I always think my initial reaction is don't respond in the moment. Don't respond in the moment of what you're actually thinking because I want to say that's a crazy idea. I don't know how that's going to work. Totally freaked out. <laughs> yes, yes, totally freaked okay. out. We're going to be living in a shack, you know, whatever. Um, because all, all, all the, the money, we're going to go bankrupt. Like you said, it's going to, it's going to go from one side to the other. But, um, I, I think one of the things that, uh, you have told me over the years on this note, that's pretty, pretty relevant is you've been like, are you just externally processing 
<laughs> or are you telling me this is something you really want to do? Because I'll say a lot of things and I have a lot of emotions, especially in, you know, in the moment. And you've done a good job of helping me uh, kind of distinguish between the two for you. Because if you get the raw, just kind of stream of consciousness, that can be one heck of a roller coaster <laughs> to be on. And I think you've learned to be like, hey, when he's going stream of consciousness, I can just discount most of what he's saying, right? It's going to be a different story tomorrow. And, uh, but when he's telling me like, Hey, this is real. And like, this is, you know, what we're dealing with or what I'm thinking, then I can weight that appropriately. Yeah. And I still think even in those moments, I have to tell myself since I'm not a risk person to, to not freak out that, that he has a plan and that, um, you know, that everything will work out accordingly. But I think also taking, as with a lot of things in life, taking the long view on it, um, and managing the emotions and, and looking back to the past and remembering the successes and the, the milestones that have happened helped me to kind of manage those emotions in, mm-hmm. in the moment too, where it's, it's kind of the next step of what we're going to do or how we're going to take the company. I look back at, at all the, the milestones that have happened and then it helps him, you know, level me out in terms of not being scared about the future. Well, and I think on that note, a couple of things that have been helpful, your conservatism has helped me to be more conservative at some key junctures than I would be. I mean, my natural temperament is I'm, uh, let's push all the chips in, let's go after it. And that is not always the right emotion, it turns out. And you have helped me at some key junctures to understand when being more cautious and more conservative would be smart. And that's probably part of the reason why we haven't done quite as many, you know, loop-to-loops on the roller coaster is that some of the things that really could have created hardship or difficulty, you've been able to help me avoid those things and avoid my impulses to, you know, go all in when a more kind of measured approach would be helpful. Um, so it's another one of those examples of like how I think the balancing out has been really helpful for me as a leader. You've experienced now, uh, almost a decade of being the the spouse of an entrepreneur and you've learned a lot during that, that process. What advice would you give to other spouses of entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think the first piece of advice I would give is that you've got to know it's a, a long game being the spouse of an entrepreneur. There could be one venture, there could be several ventures, uh, but it really is a long game because entrepreneurship doesn't happen overnight. You can't build a company overnight, usually. <laughs> there, yeah. there are those crazy maybe one-time success stories, but most of the time it takes time and, and uh, a lot of time in order to see dreams come to fruition. And so I think you've got to know you're in the long game and so you don't get too caught up on any one moment uh, or day in the company that there might be failure or hardship, um, knowing that in the long, in the long run, you know, their effort, no matter how it plays out, you've got to be their biggest fan and cheerleader, um, in that. And because a lot of times they're going to come home discouraged, um, or trying to figure things out or trying to process things with you. And you've got to be the one to, to, to be the sounding board and the encouragement. And so when you know that it's a long game, um, you can, I think, do that a lot better. Yeah. One of the gifts that you've given me is just perspective that, when you're in the thick of things, it feels like whatever you're working on is the most important thing and is going to make or break the company. And I, you just get really myopic and nearsighted, you know, and for me being able to come home to you and you being able to say, okay, hey, let's back up. Let's zoom out. What's true? You know, is this going to matter in 20 years? You know, 
and, and asking questions has really helped me to keep perspective, which I just think has been the hard, one of the hardest challenges when you're really in the thick of it is, is to keep that perspective. And you said it, it's a long game. Like it, you'll hear people say this all the time. Yeah, we were an overnight success story that took 10 years. Like building meaningful things just takes time. Even with technology and the internet and globalism, it still takes time. There were years where we were building this where almost none of our friends had our products or, you know, really knew about the company. They just knew I was doing some entrepreneurship thing, you know, with cups. And obviously now the experience is different, but that's seven, eight years in. And so uh, you being able to keep me focused on the things that really mattered outside of work and also allowing me to keep this larger perspective, I think those were those were gifts. And then another thing I think I would say to the spouses of entrepreneurs is to be as involved as you can be. Mm-hmm. Talked a little bit about that earlier, but as involved as you can be in in the company or in the work that your spouse is doing, I think is, is really helpful in your marriage. Um, it, it really builds a foundation. And it, that could look a lot of different ways, but I think you have to be engaged at some level um, in order to, to be really supportive of an entrepreneur. You have to understand all the hardships that they're going through and and the challenges that they're facing. So on that note, we actually haven't talked about this at all uh, up until this point, but a couple of years ago, you started to feel like you had more capacity, uh, that our children were getting older and you felt like you had the capacity to, to do more and maybe be a little bit more involved in volunteering with the business. And it was a natural fit for you to come in and help provide some leadership to our giving process. So what motivated you to be more involved on a, kind of a week-to-week basis with the giving side of Simple Modern? Well, I think I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier, which is for me, it's all about people's lives being impacted. And so the giving area really made the most sense to me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a very tangible way to see how our giving was impacting lives of people on the other side of that. So when there became kind of an opportunity to step into that, that it like you said, became kind of a, a natural fit because that was my heart and my motivation was to really see lives impacted from the company. So one of the themes of the podcast is not just how we've grown and scaled a company, but how we've tried to do it from a different point of view uh, as a result of our mission. How have we approached giving differently uh, from your perspective than maybe some other businesses or corporations? So because it is the foundation of what we do, we try to involve every employee in aspects of giving. So one example of that is that we give PTO um, to employees to be able to go and volunteer their time. It doesn't have to be with a nonprofit that we necessarily support. It can be with anything that motivates them um, that is in a volunteer capacity. And so that's that's really one of the ways that we want to, to involve employees. Another way is through our Giving Champion program uh, with the different nonprofits that we partner with. Um, we have employees that are that point of communication for that nonprofit, and that way they're really able to understand the mission and vision of the nonprofit and bring it back to the company and provide information and opportunities for our other employees and really be, to the word, a champion of that organization within our organization and to let them know all the amazing things that they're doing. And so we've tried to really come up with different ways for employees as a whole to engage um, and have them understand what's going on at a giving level and not just 
know that that's being taken care of, but that they could actually play an active role and part in that. We also have a giving committee that's made up of different employees. They can apply to be a part of it. It's a one-year commitment, and they get to actually be in the room making the decisions about where uh, the financial part will go um, of our of our 10% monetary donations. So that's a neat opportunity as well that a lot of employees have taken advantage of. Yeah, and we actually even give some money to every employee to allocate, right, to different charities. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it, I, I definitely appreciate, this is one of the places where I think you brought in leadership and vision of how we've tried to take generosity beyond just writing checks and really become emotionally engaged and involved in the different nonprofits that we're supporting um, and have kind of more of a holistic approach towards, towards giving. So uh, a lot of memories over the last few years. What are some of your favorite memories from the first eight years of Simple Modern? Well, this is kind of more of a, you said we're not really a shark tank type uh, couple in terms of starting the business, but this is kind of maybe one of my more shark tankish memories was before Simple Modern had an office, all of the current employees um, were, the number was small enough that they could fit in the bonus room of our house. So they would meet upstairs in the bonus room of our house and I would make muffins every Monday for that quote unquote executive meeting. And the, the cars would fill, fill the, the neighborhood streets and our neighbors would say, what's going on (laughs) at your house? Are you having some kind of meeting? And we would say, yeah, we're, we're trying to start a company here. Uh, but making those muffins and bringing them up is a fond memory because it was so, uh, just beginning level, beginning stages of, of starting the company. And then I think another favorite memory is, is in the beginning when the very first office space we had after we met in the house, there weren't even any office, you know, spaces. It was just kind of a big room and there was like one room with a door that was kind of a conference room. But I remember taking the kids up to the office to show them and they they were very confused a little bit. Like, where's daddy's office? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really just kind of a big room right now, guys. You know, we're we're working towards that. But I have very fond memories of of the beginning stages of that and showing them again how how the company how a company is built. Um, but that was that was a fun time to Yeah. Absolutely. Well Heather, I really appreciate you being willing to do this. I know, as as I mentioned, um, I'm I'm usually the spokesperson, and you are more behind the scenes, and uh, it's and you'd rather not talk about yourself. But I appreciate your willingness <laughs> to talk about our experience because I know there's there's countless people out there that are you know going through the experience that you've had the last several years, and uh, I, I think your insights have been really um, really valuable and and will help a lot of people. So I appreciate you being willing to share. Um, and more than that, I appreciate the way that you've supported me as a spouse, uh, because I, I think it's not false modesty to say I really could not have built this company with without you. So very thankful for you and thankful for everybody uh, listening. Uh, so that's it for this episode of Scaling for Good. 